Linda, thank you for that song. How many of you know that song farther along? How many of you know the words to that song? It's such a good song. All right. If you'd like to turn to Genesis chapter 1. The opening chapters of Genesis reveal the power of the word of the God who is. There's nothing like it in all the universe. There there was nothing but God until God literally spoke everything else into existence. That is our beginning. The first two verses of the Bible establish that God is and that this God creates. And how does he create? He creates by his word. The first thing we know about God after we realize that he exists is that God's word creates what it says. That that is the foundational truth that is driving all the rest of scripture. And he creates ex nihilo out of nothing. God's word brings into existence what it says in fullness, right? That is what the story of creation actually, the undercurrent is, is that is clear over and over and over again on every day of creation. So in verses 3 to 25, we looked at 1 through 5 last week, but 3 to 25 cover five days of creation and the structure of those verses is deliberate, obviously, and it's important. There is a symmetry to creation, right? You, you can trace it. Time, there was evening and there was morning. Command, God said, let there be. Execution, and it was so. Assessment, God saw that it was good. And then back to time. There was evening and there was morning. That reveals, that, that that's not um, a throwaway detail, right? That reveals order, intention, design, a plan. There is command. There is execution. God summons, and what he summons happens. We learn that about him right away. In the first five verses, we discover the main thing these verses are communicating to us. The word of God creates out of nothing. He brings into existence that which he says. That's how our world first came into existence. The origin of the universe is the word of this almighty, eternal God. But then we learned, through the Apostle Paul's interpretation of these verses, these verses... That the way God creates is a picture of how he will save sinners, which he purposed and promised to do before he ever created the word. So his creating word personified in his son, Jesus Christ, will create life in them where there is only the void and darkness of sin and unbelief, like his word created light out of nothing in the beginning. He will bring into being in the heart of one who rejects him the faith to believe in him through the proclamation of his word in the gospel. God is the source of all physical and spiritual life. That's why the creation account is conveyed to us in the way that it is. The word of God not only creates faith in us, that shouldn't shock us. Remember, faith is the gift of God. It's a gift We do not have the capacity to produce it any more than the nothing had the capacity to create itself. We do not have the capacity to produce 
faith, we are only darkness and void until God says, let light shine out of darkness. Let there be light in our souls. But the word of God is also the means by which we then live the new life that he's given to us. The word of God brings things into being and we see tonight makes them grow and produce according to his design. So let's pick up in verse 6 of Genesis 1. And God said, again, that's how it happens. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. On the second day, God created the sky. He said, let there be an expanse, or the the literal word is canopy, in order to separate the waters that were under it from the waters that were above it. God calls this expanse heaven. This brings about the end of the second day in which there was evening and then morning. So God is in the process now of creating the earth as we know it out of the void and the darkness. Look at 9 and 10. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and God saw that it was good. So God creates land. The word is earth. But it's a different word. By the way, it's a different word for earth than the word that was used in verses 1 and 2. All right. He does this by gathering the waters that were under the heavens into a heap in one place. All with his voice. All with his voice. Revealing the dry land that was underneath them. It appeared, it says. Imagine the power of this word. Imagine the power of it. Psalm 33, 7 says, God gathers the waters of the sea into a heap. How does God do that? His word. He speaks it. He commands the water and it does what he says. Have you ever seen video of the sea when it's raging? When, when, when the waves are, are just rolling and the wind, how it tosses, it'll toss huge ships around like they're little Lego pieces in the water. It's, it's terrifying really to watch. I can't imagine being on a ship while that's happening. How did Jesus calm the storm? And those storms on the Sea of Galilee, Genesaret, that's in a valley. In Brawley, we lived in, they called it the Imperial Valley. It was a true valley. You were in in the middle of these these mountain ranges. When the wind would blow, it would blow, this is not a tornado, just the wind would blow everything over, kick up dust. It was awful. It's it's very much, it's almost the exact same climate as there is in the Middle East. When those storms would would fall on the Sea of Galilee or the, the Sea of Genesaret, they were horrible, violent Storms. It wasn't just like there was some thunder and lightning. How did Jesus calm the storm in Mark 4? What did he do? He spoke. Peace, be still. Stop it. And it stopped instantly. I, I forget which writer says it, it was like, like, like the sea was like glass. But imagine just it goes in one moment. Imagine that. One moment from raging to glass. How? The word of God in Jesus Christ. Every molecule of water listened and obeyed. Why? Because the water heard the voice of its maker. 
right? God controls what he creates. He has complete controlling ownership of everything. There is no water committee in heaven, thank God. There's no board of what water does. There's the voice of Jesus Christ, the creating, sustaining, commanding voice of God in his son, the spirit hovering between them. He put the heavens above and below the waters. That's an astounding thing to think about. There's water above us and below us. He made the Red Sea pull back and stand up straight on both sides. It's an amazing thing every day that the clouds of the sky doesn't fall down on us, drown us, crush us. Valerius Herberger writes, this, this book, The Great Works of God, is, is amazing. He says, hydraulic systems are considered marvelous. My friend, do you not marvel at the hydraulic power of Jesus Christ who summons the rain clouds and thus waters the earth? Jesus needs no pulley, no bucket, no ropes, no chains, etc. At his command, all goes perfectly. At his command. God calls the dry land earth, and he calls the water that he'd gathered together seas, and he saw that it was good. This is literally the creation of the earth as we know it, what we live on. And God is pleased with it in verse 10. Then in verses 11 and 12, now that there's that, God creates produce. And God said, let the earth sprout, right? I'm, he's calling that into existence. Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. When God creates life, he creates seeds. And it was so, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. So God created things with the ability to keep growing, to keep producing. He created things that yield their own seeds. Beloved, at no point could anything that grows ever say it is doing it on its own. You see that? Ever. The ability to grow, the ability to produce, is the work and the result of none other than God himself. Seeds were created to bear their own kind of seed. And you could take a handful of, in your hand, maybe thousands of different seeds, scatter them into the wind. None of them will forget what they are, regardless of where they land. Seeds never get confused. God did that. That's, that's amazing. Fruit and vegetation were designed to keep producing. So God created natural reproduction. He created every, even the scientific processes by which things continue to exist and grow. God created all of it. Imagine the order of, imagine the, imagine the intricacy of His mind. Beloved, to create that, to call what's in his mind into perfect, perpetual existence by only his word. It's an amazing, consider, stand back and consider the marvelous works of God. It's amazing. To, to think of it in the first place, that, that, that he thought of all this, right? It, it, he thought of it. I can see, I see shrubs across the street when I look out. All his idea. How they grow, how they look, all his idea. God not only creates with his word, he makes the things he creates grow.
by that very same word. This brings about the end of the third day. Brings us to verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So God creates the stars, the sun, and the moon to do three things. To distinguish between day and night, to mark the passage of time and seasons, and to give natural light to all the earth. God calls the sun and the moon the two great lights, right? The greater of the two great lights is the sun to rule the day. The lesser is the moon to rule the night. So there are different kinds of light. There's lesser, there's greater. By the way, I I think that that may help us in some way understand what then was happening in verse 3. How, right, Light is created before the sun is created. Well, Because I think that the light that stems from existence in verse 3 is a different kind of light. And then there's the light that naturally rules and separates light and darkness in verses 14 through 16. But notice the pattern here. Notice the patterns that are set up and established. Light in all its forms is separate from and rules over darkness. Right? That fact is established at the outset of all creation. And God calls that good. And this is the end of the fourth day. Now, no, if you look, what has happened in the first 19 verses of Scripture? God has created a world that is inhabitable. That, that's what we've seen. The world that He has made was created to be inhabited. Okay? And we know that's now accomplished because of what he creates next in verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, right? Bluegill and whales, like, like all of it, right? Crappie and Great white sharks, it's astounding, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. So God creates sea creatures and birds, creatures to inhabit the water and the sky. Everything's happening in order. Every single one of them was created by God according to its own kind. So there's no doubt it's observable in nature. That there can be developmental evolution within a species over time as it simply adapts to its climate, its surroundings, its ecosystem. No question, God obviously creates things, we know from verse 11, with the ability to survive and perpetuate through time. But nothing evolves out of nothing and nothing becomes a different kind than what it was. That never happens, right? Apes don't become people, right? Slime doesn't become an alligator. And God calls this good. Now, 
In verse 22, we read something for the first time. And God blessed them. It's the first time we've seen that. Saying, be fruitful. and So how does he bless with his word? Saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So again, for the first time, God blesses something he creates. He goes beyond simply calling it good, right? He goes beyond assessment of it to blessing it. And notice the first blessing in the Bible is not for humankind, right? It's for animals. In other words, God will have, does have his own unique relationship with animals. I don't know what all to make of that, but I think that's what we see. All that he made is good. And the blessing is this, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters with sea creatures and the earth with birds. It is a blessing from God for creatures to reproduce. By the way, then, of course, humanity has rebelled against that at its core in things like abortion and euthanasia. Right, Of course, that's where it's gone. Right to the original blessing. We'll get to the human side of it next week, God willing. But of course, that's what culture has done. We, we are born hating God. And if he doesn't rescue us, we keep hating him. Right? We, we want to undo everything he has done and mock everything he has done. That's what's behind all these things. Right? But something else is revealing itself here. The moment God creates a creature, the first task given to it, is to be fruitful and multiply. In fact, that's the first command in Scripture, period. Be fruitful and multiply. And by the way, as we walk through this creation account, just to give you kind of a a sense of where we're going, I am going to try to make the case that this command reveals God's intention for the church. right? And and we'll, we'll get to that. But produce is created with the ability to grow and keep producing. Creatures are created with the ability and the command to keep reproducing. God desires the earth to be filled. He desires it to be filled with both animals and people as we're going to see. That's in his mind. That's in his mind. So what he creates things with the ability to do and what he commands things to do serve that purpose. That God wants the earth to be filled. 24 and 25. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And the livestock according to their kinds. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So, what we're looking at now is the first part of the sixth day this evening. We're going we're gonna to focus on the rest of the sixth day next week. But God creates animals for the land, right? So there's sea, sky, land animals. Now there's livestock, everything that creeps on the ground, beasts. What good are creeping things? They're so gross, right? They're just so gross. I hate things that creep, and I'm a full-grown man. Just hate them. We all know if we study, right, the massive 
natural purposes that creeping things serve. We, we can't deny that. They obviously have been given very specific purpose by God and it's good. I don't deny that for a second, but most of them are just so gross. But consider God's glory in maybe two of them. Just two of the creeping things. Consider the ant. Ants are amazing little creeping things. They're, they're amazing, right? How they work together, communicate. I mean, they, they build, they can carry. I mean, the, the planning, they, they plan, they move in single file lines, they work together. Have you ever seen the water spiders that swim up to the surface, grab a bubble of oxygen, put it in their diving bell, shoot back, which is like a gill on a spider, shoot back down to the bottom to give air to their disgusting little spider babies. Have you ever seen that happen? It's, it's, it's amazing. There are spiders that God created that once a day come up to the surface, get a bubble of oxygen, store it, take it down, breathe, and have the, the eggs they laid, the sacks of eggs, do the same. They bring oxygen to them. All by the word of his mouth. All by the word of his mouth. It's, there are, there, I don't think we're overshooting to say there are species we don't even know exist deep down in like the Laurentian abyss in the Pacific. We can't get down that far yet. Who knows what's there in the dark, right? You just, it's a scary thought, but it's an amazing thought. It's an amazing thought. All by the word of his mouth. I mean, did he do it one at a time? Did he just say, let there be sea creatures? And what was, because, I mean, how big is God's mind? If we can even talk about him as having a mind because he's not a person like us. It's astounding to consider. And, and, and again, the theme of it is that when he speaks, what he speaks exists. It's, it's all the result of the design in his mind is every atom of our creation. He's amazing. Beloved, he's amazing. I wish there was a better word here. I just, it's just the earth brings these things forth at God's command, meaning that animals are also created from the dust. But notice something. God does not breathe life into the animals. He only does that with humans. They get their breath, their life from the land itself, from creation, not directly from the creator. And again, everything is created according to its kind. And kinds do not mix. Meaning, animals and produce don't mate. Alright? And although it should absolutely go without saying, but apparently you have to say it because it's in the law in Israel. It is on the books in laws in America. Animals and humans don't mate. Alright? They're not supposed to. They can't. Right? Humans and produce don't mate. Right? It's absurd, but... One of the patterns established in creation is the separation of kinds. There is natural kind. There is produce kind. There is the kind of all the animals. There will be human kind, right? And God calls all of this good. There are distinctions, categories that are all established by the word of God. He set everything in an order so that it can't descend into chaos, right? We could do a lot of speculation here about that, but at least one thing we can know for sure where God makes distinctions, there can be no crossover. Right? There, 
there can't be. If, if light rules over darkness, for example, darkness cannot ever finally rule over light. If plants yield seed, they will always produce the same kind of plant from that seed unless God intervenes. If God saves sinners by his grace apart from works, people will never get saved by works. And God calls all of this good. The world is the result of the will and word of Almighty God. Beloved, everything is. The world is not chance or accidental. The world is not autonomous. Neither is anything God created in it. Creation could not be on its own. And the level of detail in the creation account is declaring that to us. What is there that exists independent from God? What could exist on its own? What could continue to exist on its own? Creation is entirely dependent on the word of God, not just to exist, but to continue. And this is the truth we must grasp about ourselves tonight as the children of God in this world. He created us to be his children. The first five verses establish that we wouldn't be a Christian if his word does not create faith in us as a gift of his life-giving word. These following verses then establish we couldn't stay a Christian if his word does not enable and provide all that is necessary to remain in him. Right? If, if Paul interprets those first five verses as declaring how God will save, we are now instructed by the word of God itself how to interpret and read the rest of the creation account. It's flowing out of salvation. The earth cannot produce, we, we, I hit on this, tried to hit on it a little bit this morning. The earth cannot produce any fruit unless it is watered from above. And that water causes it to grow by the processes God built into the plant in the first place. They're already there. All the plant does is what God created it to do. It contributes of itself nothing. It does nothing on its own. Why did God create like this? Why does he tell us that all things, not just existence, but life, are dependent on his divine and omnipotent word for one reason, so that he would receive all glory and salvation. I mean, why is faith a gift? Do you remember? Paul tells you, so that no one can boast. But secondly, why does he tell us that all things are dependent on his divine and omnipotent word to exist but to continue? Secondly, he tells us that for the sake of our souls tonight, every time we open the text, so that we would know the word that created us new and saves us in him is also completely sufficient to keep us and cause us to glorify him. Beloved, this is the controlling order and authority that God has over every atom in your body. He wants us to know there is order in the midst of disorder in our lives. Right? There is order in the midst of disorder in our lives. He wants us to know that 
all that his word requires of us, he will provide and he will accomplish. When God speaks with his word of decree, his creating word of decree, what he summons with his word comes into existence exactly as he commanded it to. It occurs, it happens, it is accomplished. So if God says, you shall be holy for I am holy, what are you going to be? If God says you will have eternal life, what are you going to have? If God says you have redemption through his blood, what do you have? If God says your sins have been forgiven and been thrown as far as the east is from the west, where are they? What has happened to them? If God says his son will return to gather us unto himself and shut this thing down, what is going to happen? That is going to happen exactly as he plans on doing it. You see, only God is autonomous. Why do we struggle with this? If God isn't sovereign over everything, even us, how can we know that any promise he makes, he can actually fulfill? That's part of what the creation account is telling us. If I say it, it will be. Nothing can thwart that. right? You realize right now, the vast majority of humanity is saying no to that. Does that mean it's canceled? No. Like, no. He's just going to step in and say, that's it. So what do we do? What is our role? We let the water from heaven rain on us and make us grow. That is, we receive the good news of his word of life, the gospel. Right? That we, we just, we just stand under the pouring of the rain of the word of God. It is God's design for our submission. Right? That's not passive. It's not lazy. It's not rebellious. It's God's design. We are all trying to be plants that can produce other kinds of seeds by our effort and on our own. That's not the way it works, right? Fleshly kind that cannot hear the things of the Spirit of God cannot produce what is spiritual and glorifying to God. It's impossible. We understand that. It, this can't produce what will glorify God. So the Spirit is hovering, living water, right? Inside of us. When as the gospel falls on us, we hear the word of God. He causes that rain to fall on our souls. Then because he is alive in us, because his word is perfect in us, it is produced. Believe the word, stand under the word, and none, nothing else has to be worried about. In the fertile ground he has made, hovering over the streams of living water inside of us, is his life-giving, obedience-producing spirit dwelling within every believer on the earth. The commands of scripture then are what? Right? They're not telling you to produce what you cannot produce. They are God's intended creative, intended creative design for us that are all dependent completely on his word and his will to ever be carried out. We believe. We receive the rain, beloved. We do not try to do a blasphemous role reversal and become the source of our salvation or of our sanctification. Again, when you read a command, any command in Scripture, any command, Old or New Testament, 
how does your flesh respond to it? Right, either in absolute rejection or, okay, I'll do that. Okay. Who's doing it? Forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. I mean, pick one. Right, so, so when I hear that, is it that it doesn't matter and it, who cares what I do? No, no, no. When I hear that, what do I do? I believe the gospel and cry out to my Savior. Because I can't do that. I can't do that. Right? The word of God brings things into being and makes them grow and produce according to his design. Beloved, that includes you and I. And let's close with a word from the Lord about all that. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 and 6. It will happen. Right? It will happen. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus and believe the gospel. That's life. I'm going to pray. I'll be down front if any of you need to come and pray also for any reason. Linda's going to come. We're going to sing hymn 297. Let me pray for us. 297, by the way. Father, we your name tonight because you have called to us. We love you because you first loved us. It's all there in front of us. Just how you are the complete source of our new life in Jesus Christ from beginning to end. It's, it's all create, it's, it's all Genesis language. Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's, it's all right in front of us. Lord, may we believe this word. Believing your word is how you produce life in us. That which is pleasing to you, Father. It's your way. It's your design. It's not how we would have done it, probably. It's not how we would have created a universe, or it's not how we would address our growth, whatever that means, as believers. But that's how you have prescribed it to take place. So, Lord, help us to believe your word and to trust in you. Give us peace tonight and rest in Christ that you may be glorified in our lives. We ask and pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.